All right, welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week we are going to talk to Steve Jensen with Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service. We've definitely talked to Steve before. And if you're familiar with our YouTube channel, go check it out. We have tons of videos with that feature Steve. I mean, he's been, I could say, like co-star of our YouTube channel. He's probably actually the star because I'm not. So anyways, Steve's been there a bunch. And uh, I mean, Steve's been fishing full-time in the Hayward area guiding full-time for 20 years so you must either be okay or gotten really lucky for 20 years to be sticking around that long what you say Brad yeah absolutely I mean Steve has been a, a solid guide forever you know he, he used to be on Keys Outdoors quite a bit um, he's had a lot of press he does a lot of seminars and different things as well talented guy no doubt about it absolutely and so we'll have a little bit of intro here a little bit of infomercial quick so if you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventure why don't you check out teamrhinooutdoors.com if you haven't been on our website in a while check it out we add stuff almost all the time new colors new baits uh, i know recently i just added the a uh, couple more colors in the underboss from boss shad i'm working on a few other things right now rough tackle spinner baits from rough tackle we just got four different styles of those so go check them out teamrhinooutdoors.com and then you can also check out Brad. MuskyMayhemTackle.com. Uh, absolutely love to have you as a customer. You can go right on our website and order pretty much any product that we make, as well as uh, putting together your own customs that you would like to design for yourself. So check out MuskyMayhemTackle.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media platforms. And Brad, you know, we talked a little bit about ten thousand or Mayhem's ten thousand cast last year, last week. Do you, do you got social media stuff for that? We do, and we are in the process. Actually, I think we're going to make a post today, and hopefully, start putting out some content on that social media side. It's been something that uh, we want to grow, obviously, and we haven't really done a very good job of it. But uh, we're going to shift some gears and start making that happen. And what would be the names of this stuff if we're looking for some, some Mayhem 10,000 casts on social media? You said it right there. It's Mayhem's 10,000 casts. You can look it up on Facebook as well as Instagram. And uh, we definitely have a YouTube channel as well with our past uh, five episodes that we did this, this year. And we will be jumping in full uh, steam ahead again in January. That will be uh, shown right on KOTV. If you guys haven't checked out KOTVchannel.com or go to a Roco device and look up KOTV, I definitely encourage you to do so. Definitely has a bunch of different fishing shows as well as hunting shows on that. And uh, it's a really cool network. You know, Brad, the other day I was thinking about things and I can't believe that we're like at least, you know, if you're in the, if you're in a musky season, we're like a third of the way through the season. It seemed like we just started yesterday. I mean, they always say like time flies, you know, but geez, this year seems to be just cruising by so quickly. It's unreal. Every year it seems to go a little bit faster and it's a little scary, but you know, that's, that's the one thing that I would say, you definitely got to make time to go do the things that you love to do. And I think time is probably the most precious piece to all of our lives. Really. I mean, you think about it. So Make that time, get out on the water, enjoy yourselves. It's supposed to be fun. I think a lot of people get hung up. Well, the fish aren't cooperating or this or that. Get out there, flail the water, have fun, and success will be right there behind it. Yeah, well, somebody always said to me, like, if, you know, if you want to, 
if you want to truly enjoy musky fishing, you just really need to enjoy the art, I guess, of working certain baits, mastering certain baits that you can work and, and just enjoy the chase of actually just trying to fool one fish. They said, once you stop worrying about catching fish and just enjoy that part of it, you know, it all be, it all gets better, which, you know, I can, I can kind of agree with, although putting fish in the net is definitely far superior in my opinion, but you know, it's still, it's still fun just to get out and work baits, right? Yeah, it definitely is. I, th- I think that's a valid point, though. You know, it's so amazing to me when I watch people, you know, the, on the front deck of the boat, and they are working so hard. They they don't have time to say two words, right? I mean, they're just focused on the game. And I think a lot of times when you're focused that good, don't get me wrong, being focused is important. But you got to remember that uh, those fish usually have a knack of coming up and messing with you when you're you're just relaxed and you're fishing really hard but you're relaxed and i think being relaxed is an important part to this whole sport definitely so brad um i don't really have much else to add it hasn't been that long since we talked not much has changed in my world we're kind of doing the same old same old so if you don't have anything else to add i'd say we just you know get on the phone with steve and let's talk about musky fishing let's go dial them up all right, this week we're going to talk to Steve Jensen, Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service. Last time we talked to Steve was, uh, I don't know, roughly six years ago, I think. Very first episodes. No, actually, it was uh, episode 112 from May 12th of last year. So if you want, if you like what Steve's got to offer today and you want more about Steve, go check out episode 112. Anyways, Mr. Jensen, it's been quite some time since I talked to you. Usually we would catch up like once a month or so, and quite honestly, we haven't done that because, I don't know, you're busy, I'm busy. How's uh, guide life going? Yeah, for sure. We have not talked enough. Um, Life has been busy. Uh, Guide life is guide life. Uh, This is the year number 22 of said guide life. It's been going good, honestly. The muskie fishing has been, been pretty solid. We did have a little bit of warm water here kind of early this week. We've had some 90s and stuff, but uh, for the most part, it's been real fishable. Fish have been pretty happy, moving real fast, uh, which I like. And, uh, you know, just staying busy, staying on the water. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the water right now. What's what's typical pattern? What are you catching these fish on? Are you, uh, I know you're getting older, Steve. We're all getting older, and you're not a big fan of, of rubber baits as much as you used to be. Right. <laughs> is that something you've been having to break out often or are you able to get something uh you know some double eight bucktail bite going you know honestly uh we we have been ripping a lot of rubber here lately especially here in the last so 10 days or so as these water temps get hot uh the fish start to move a little bit deeper on these edges and uh rubber especially heavier rubber that moves fast down deep um can usually be the ticket uh, especially when times are a little tough uh, we are still pulling some fish on blades. Um, usually have somebody rolling some blades, but it's been bigger stuff, uh, juniors and cowgirls and things. Kind of actually this year been going back to same blade bucktails. So everybody's kind of on the uh, opposing blades, staggering blades, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I certainly have been on that train as well. But uh, this year, I kind of, I'm always trying to do something a little bit different than everybody else, you know, which is a lot harder these days. And uh, going back to just uh, straight blades, uh, Cowgirl Jr. has been a really solid one here recently. Uh, the old Shumway Flasher earlier in the year was super solid. Uh, again, I don't think they see as much as they once did. 
Um, but now here in the recent times, it's been rubber and rubber moving really fast. Um, and rubber that we can get down a little bit deeper along these steeper edges, um, with the warmer temps. Um, I've definitely been shifting from those shallower, darker lakes to our deep, clear systems. Um, cool thing about the Hayward area, which is where I guide, uh, we have just a multitude of different bodies of water that we can fish. And uh, that's my hard choice each and every day is figuring out where I want to go. But the weather a lot of times will help dictate that. And uh, right now we're staying off that, that shallow stuff. In fact, the chip has certainly been over 80 for a good portion of the week um, into the low 80s. So certainly not fishing out there, but um, a lot of the deep clear lakes are in that mid 70s to upper 70s, uh, which is prime temperatures for muskies. They love it. And uh, they're certainly eating. So, Steve, let's talk a little bit about the Shumway Flasher since you mentioned that. Do you think that's one of those things where it's the uh, marabou on that that's, you know, that's kind of different from, you know, typically flashes everywhere nowadays? Do you think, it, you know, sometimes that change up from marabou is what can trigger? You know, absolutely. I think it's a, a thing. Marabou's lively in the water, has a little different look, actually has a bigger profile than you would think um, looking at the baits. And that's what I like about the flasher. It has those smaller blades, but still has a pretty large profile in the water. Again, who knows? You can second guess it and try to figure it out all you want. Um, we think we know a lot of stuff about things, but a lot of times it's just a matter of keep changing until you find things that work. And um, this year, that has certainly been one that worked, especially a little bit earlier in the season. It's, it's one I go back to every now and then. I, dusted off an old box of flashers and said, I'll see what, see if they'll bite on these. And uh, we had instant success with them. And kind of same with the junior here, which I hadn't thrown much. You know, I've been throwing the triggers and um, the nines and tens and some stagger blades and um, just playing with that for the last couple of years. And you kind of forget about the oldies and the goodies. You know, if I could have two lures, it'd be a Magnum Bulldog and a Cowgirl Junior. And I think I could do a lot of damage most places most of the time with those two tools. So, uh, a lot of times it's just a matter of uh, figuring out what works and sticking to it. So let's back up just a little bit, Steve. Let's talk about this big rubber. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen in the boat this year is a couple younger people that have had out on the water or what have you. And can you talk a little bit about how you manage the cast as well as the motions of working that bait? Boy, that's a couple of, couple of real good questions there. Uh, casting big rubber is the challenge, you know, bringing it back. Uh, for the most part, isn't the hard part unless you're getting super extremely aggressive, which at times the muskies like. Um, but, you know, not always necessary to to be super aggressive with it. Um, but loading the cast is, is probably the most important thing, and that's something that I, I always go through with uh, especially beginning clients. Um, you don't want to let that bait load up, especially baits that have a lot of tails, like a Medusa or a Magnum Bulldog. Um, and loading the bait behind you means, uh, you know, bringing it back and letting it come to rest before you're going forward with your casting motion. Um, a lot of people, you know, they're excited when they get in the boat. They want to whip, 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 whip. Um, if you watch how I cast, I methodically let that bait load up behind me. Um, I use really very little effort to launch it. We're using nine-foot rods nowadays. And uh, just by a simple pendulum flip forward, you can throw those things a long way. Um, and when you're fishing for eight hours, you want to be able to manage, you know, that weight for that amount of time. And I still have clients that don't want to do it all day long. And I understand that, but when you learn how to manage loading that thing behind you, not whipping it, um, those are two main things. And then the third thing that's really important with these baits that have tails is having a heavier thumb. So what that means is having some pressure throughout the cast 
And then also laying that bait down by using the pressure of your thumb as opposed to letting it free fall to the water. Um, you almost never want to let a musky bait free fall to the water. You're always going to increase your tangles, your lure fouls by doing that. Um, but you can get away with it a little bit more with other styles of lures. But with, with big rubber, with a lot of tails, you want to lay that thing down with a heavy thumb. And by doing that, you're stretching those tails out and you're putting that lure down in a way that it's not going to foul the majority of the time. Not that you won't occasionally get a ball dog or a fouled up lure. You're still going to have that. But if you, you follow those three things, um, I think you'll do a lot better as far as casting those lures uh, for a lot longer period. And then as far as the working lure goes, this time of year when the water is warm, uh, I, I was, we were just talking about before the show, I kind of call it you know speed rubber or speed plastics. It's, it's working these baits really quickly and getting them also down deep in the depth range where the fish are residing. Um, I'm also fishing a lot clearer lakes, so the strike zone on these muskies is quite a bit larger than a fish that's in dark water or in shallow water. They can see much farther, so they're also striking from a farther distance. So uh, all these things are advantage to us um, at this time. And uh, by working those baits quickly down those edges of those weeds with quick darting motions, incorporating those good, nice, long pauses, but with darting action really seems to be the key. And uh, once you get the feel of that and how to kind of work your bait down that weed wall or down into the deeper cabbage without getting fouled up much, uh, you certainly increase the number of bites that you get. And we're ripping and sweeping and moving them very quickly, but I'm also incorporating a lot of those longer pauses and making sure I'm getting down in the depths that I'm looking for. Um, the other bait that we're throwing a lot right now is that Red October Monster Tube. And uh, those baits are awesome in that they work very quickly and they get down deep. Uh, deeper than a lot of other lures on on a quick pause so um, they have that quick drop and a lot of times that can be the key a uh, much faster drop than say a dog or a medusa uh, so a lot of times we'll try all three of those things or at least a couple of them and try to see what the fish want on a particular day you uh, know it's crazy how much it changes uh, from one day to the next they want a fast fall a slow fall a, you know a darting action uh, more tails um, all things that are different and don't really seem that different in the water but there's days where they want one over the other for sure fast darting movement getting those baits down in the strike zone and uh, also big hook shots so a lot of people have a tendency to just kind of well, hold on when they get hit you want to definitely jack them good and hard and uh, even with that said you're still going to miss a certain percentage of muskies on rubber when they bury their teeth into it especially with novice anglers um, they feel like they have the fish on automatically and it's hooked um, but a lot of times that fish is just holding on. So um, pretty big hook sets is also important uh, when you're working big rubber. That's, you know, basically the gist of what we're doing right now. I got another question for you related to the cast. Do you have that bait right up to the leader or are you uh, basically letting out a foot or two, three feet? What are you, what's your tactic there? So uh, that's another good question. I personally like to have a little bit longer lead with rubber, but that being said, you have to be super careful with who you're fishing with, watching the lure behind you before you go forward, knowing that you're clear of everybody in the boat. With big rubber, I do find an advantage to having a little bit longer lead, even a couple of feet. Um, and that way you can really let that lure load up behind you. And when you come forward in that pendulum, it just makes a nice sweeping arc and you just continue that arc on, on your calf. So typically I would say I have a little bit longer lead on my heavier rubber than I would with a traditional style musky lure. What, uh, what rod are you talking about? You said you're using a nine footer. I'm just kind of curious what rods you're using right now. 
honestly like a heavy. Uh, I fished St. Croix, uh, the St. Croix Legend Tournament. Uh, the nine foot heaviest was probably my favorite, which is it's actually designed for blades. But uh, I throw that one a lot, and I also throw their X Heavy, their big dog, which is uh, the rod that they've designed for for big plastics. So uh, those are the two that I use the most. But honestly, I prefer the heavy because it has a little bit more tip action, but it's still way heavy enough to set the hook. So it loads up a little bit nicer, and I think I can get longer casts with a little bit limber tip there. So those are the two that I use for that particular application. All right, Steve. I know that you would probably prefer to be throwing reg dogs all the time or reg medusas, whatever. I know I know dogs are your, your bait of choice, so that's we'll stick with dogs in this instance. But how do you decide which ones you're going to throw, whether it be regs, mags? I don't know. Do you ever even throw pounders anymore? Boy, all good questions. Um, I do have some pounders in the boat. I try not to throw them if I think I can get away with anything else. But there's occasionally a time when they want something really, really big or if we're really, uh, you know, looking for a monster, um, which I don't do a ton of that. But uh, there are certainly days where uh, size does matter as far as the preference goes uh, with the fish. And a lot of times that has to factor into the lake that I'm fishing in the forage that's present. Um, some of the panfish lakes, uh, where there isn't a larger forage traditionally, um, those regular dogs are certainly good. Um, but on some of the different lakes where I have, you know, the large uh, suckers or uh, the whitefish, um, larger prey, uh, some lakes they focus on pike a lot. So when I'm on those lakes, I definitely like that magnum size. But uh, that being said, I had you here last year in September and made you throw magnum bulldogs for the couple of days you were here. And we got fish. Um, but literally the day after you left, I had one of my old time clients, and this is another determining factor on size is some of my clients just won't throw the big stuff. So uh, he wanted to throw bulldogs. I said, the bulldog bite is good. So he said, all right, give me a little regular dog and I'll start snapping that around. And I think he had three fish in a couple hours and missed a few more. And, um, I sat there and scratched my head because you and I certainly hadn't thrown anything that small for the days that we had fished. So it just goes to show you that, uh, um, that can change even when you think you're onto a good pattern. Uh, sometimes you got to keep changing it up and mixing it up behind to see if there is a preference that way. So a lot of times, like I say, if, if my clientele is not into throwing the big stuff, um, I'm certainly not afraid to throw that smaller stuff. But in general, if we want larger fish, and uh, especially right now on the clear water, I like those larger profiles. I think it sticks out a little bit better. Uh, I'm certainly throwing the big one most of the time, meaning the magnum. I remember that well last year. You had, yeah. to, tell, you had to tell me, like, hey, uh, you just so you know, we probably could have been throwing reg dogs. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you beat me up for three days or two days or whatever it was. But uh, it's funny. I, I've told you the story in the boat numerous times, like how when you th- start throwing rubber, like a reg dog seems like it's a real pain to throw and it's almost like torture. And then soon enough, you, if you go to a mag and you're throwing that consistently, that's not too bad. And then if you jump back to a reg dog, it feels like nothing. So it's... Yeah. True, true story. It's the impression of, of how you do it. And I like to say a lot of my clientele is a little bit aged, so they, they don't want to rip on that big rubber. And even if I can get them to do it for a few hours, that's great. But uh, you know, a lot of times I, I know they're going to be fishing all day, so I won't punish them. Uh, and uh, they do just as well a lot of times on that smaller stuff, too. Same thing goes with throwing the pounder. Throw a pounder for about 25 minutes and then go back to a magbox. And life seems I should so- do that occasionally just to get my brain back, right? That's a good idea. <laughs> Definitely. Let's keep on this uh, big bait thing and let's talk uh, 
some of the bigger blade baits that you, I mean, are you using anything bigger than a cowgirl size? Are you trying the detonator models? You know, kind of I haven't thrown much for the big stuff uh, yet this year, but yeah, I have dug well in the detonators. In fact, the lakes that I'm fishing now, they're definitely a thing. Um, I just haven't thrown them yet. Again, I try not to if I don't have to. <laughs> I think a lot of times, you know, we get kind of set in our ways in the boat, right? And, and if you're having success with something that's smaller or whatever, I think uh, that's where you stay. And I, I, that's not a bad thing, but definitely uh, I always try to mix in something bigger every once in a while. And at times you have the right clients to do that, or maybe it's you doing it just to test the waters. But, you know, big baits are unique. And I, I think uh, a lot of times they're overlooked today where I think, 15 years ago, everybody was big, 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 you know, and, and that's all anybody wanted to throw. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, Brad, I think that detonator, we've talked about it on the podcast before, I think it's actually easier to pull in than a cowgirl. I won't argue that. I mean, they, those opposing blades, you know, you got a 13 and a 10, it kind of, uh, they don't open up as big as just the two number 10s together, right? Two 10s right. together. You're pushing a lot more water, that's for sure. And, and the more water you're pushing, the harder it's going to work, right? So I, I do definitely agree with you on that, Jeff. Yeah, and I actually, I was surprised how, how well they do pull. You know, the first time I threw it, I was like, oh, boy, I don't even know if I want to do this. But uh, I was pleasantly surprised, and I think I caught a fish the very first night that I rolled one. So, yeah, they're honestly, for a big bait, a pretty nice choice. Um, and you gotta remember the days where we used to smash them on the supermodels, you know, and guys wouldn't even throw those things. And, uh, like you say, sometimes you kind of forget about, uh, what worked in the past. You get stuck in your ways. And, uh, I'm certainly guilty of that. In fact, you know, I just kind of forget about things and all of a sudden you know, look around the house and, oh yeah, I haven't done that for a while. And uh, a lot of times you can pull those old uh, tricks out of the out of the bag and uh, employ them and, uh, and actually get some fish doing it. And like I say, a lot of times up here, I'm trying to do things a little bit differently than everybody else. The pressure is definitely higher. There's a lot more guys around here. and You got to be a little more savvy, I think, with what you do in order to get the bite. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you there. You know, Steve, one thing that we didn't touch upon, you know, with big rubber or even just maybe blades and maybe the differences is how you go into your figure eight and actually maneuver those baits. Um, that, there is a big difference there too, you know, and figure eights are super important. Uh, two days ago I had a client get his very first muskie and a blind figure eight on that cowgirl junior we were talking about. And, uh, certainly a fish that he never saw coming, but he was doing good diligent figure eight. So, you know, it's, it's important. Um, but there is a difference in how I bring a bucktail into the boat and how I bring uh, any rubber or actually even any kind of a jerkbait style lure. Um, on the blades, I always want to be pretty darn tight. So I'm usually less than 12 inches from leader to tip of rod. Uh, you want to maintain uh, good speed control, and you also want to maintain your blades uh, rotation, meaning that you don't want those blades to stall out. If you have too long of a lead to your lure, say two or three feet, um, it's simply too hard to reach way out comfortably and maintain those blades spinning in the eight, which is vitally important if you have a fish chasing you. Um, if those blades stall out nine times out of ten, they're going to veer off and leave the bait. So it's important to shorten up that lead, uh, bring your bait in quickly, and I like to come in nice and quick into my very first turn, and then I'll just kind of 
slow it up just a touch on that first outside turn, and you'd be amazed at how many fish will come out of nowhere and just show up right there. But the main thing is to keep the bait moving. A lot of people have a tendency to slow down, stop, and want to let the fish catch it. Um, these are all the wrong things to do with a, with a bucktail. In fact, you want to do quite the opposite. And I describe it as a cat and mouse game to my clients, especially the first time they're in the boat. Um, if you have one chasing those blades in, don't slow down or stop. Keep it moving. In fact, try to take it away from them. Make it speed away. Make them, make them think it's prey that's trying to escape. And you're going to increase your uh, your strike success so tremendously up at the boat. In fact, I had a day the other day where I had a first-time client, and uh, we were on that flasher bite we were talking, and he had two beautiful fish coming in, super hot. And he did, he did exactly what a lot of people do the first time they see a big muskie. He just absolutely stopped reeling. Both fish were extremely catchable. Both fish were flying up to grab it at the boat, and both of them absolutely stopped dead when he did. Didn't get either of them. He knew it was his fault, and he had been instructed, and he knew what to do, but he just couldn't do it at the time, you know, that it happened. And, and that's the thing. You have to be ready on every cast and kind of expect it on every cast, which is easy when you fish for muskies every day. But when you only do it for a day, a year, or the first time that you've ever done it, um, it can be a challenging deal. And then as far as the figure eight goes with the rubber, I'm definitely on a longer lead, just like I am with my cast. So I'm wanting to leave generally a couple of feet out. Um, this allows me to change the elevation of the lure in the water and allows me to do nice bigger arcs. Uh, those baits swing a little bit better, and I don't have to worry about those blades not rotating. So um, I'll generally have a much longer lead with the rubber. Um, allows me to do a little bit different things with it. Um, that's basically the biggest difference. But the main thing that I do with the rubber is I'll throw in a nice, good, big stall right before I go into my figure eight. And it's amazing how many fish you can get to bite before you go into your eight on that quick pause there. So that would be the two biggest differences. Um, length of line and then maintain that speed in your figure eight. Awesome points there. That's for sure. Um, one of the things that I was kind of curious about too is, are you doing any night fishing anymore, Steve, or is that something that you just haven't been doing? You know, I don't, I haven't done a ton yet. I will do some here uh, end of July and August. It is a fun way to fish. Uh, it's very effective here. That certainly works, but it's challenging to, uh, to fish both ends of the day. Um, as you know, and enjoy life. Um, I am married now, so I do like to spend my evenings at home with the wife and or a lot of times I will get her out for some fishing too. So yes, it's absolutely a thing that works here. Um, it's not something I guide a lot anymore. It's challenging to do that, like I say, when you're starting early days. But uh, definitely works here. Um, and certainly in July and August is uh, an excellent way to catch big fish in our area. You know, Steve, we've we have we've had many conversations in the boat, and I hate to keep bringing up age, but as we continue to get older, I know last year you had a couple like shoulder problems or whatever, and we kept talking like, "Hey, Steve, you should probably consider doing a little bit more trolling once in a while." Is that something that you've employed at all this year? Excellent question, and no, because I'm feeling good. No, nope, not too much pain this year, and I honestly have not trolled a single minute uh, for a muskie this year. Um, no other good reason other than we're catching them casting. I'm sure it's working. Although my buddies who troll a fair amount, I haven't heard too much about, um, them lighting it up just yet, but, uh, something I will employ more as I get older. Um, I do enjoy it on a level. I certainly prefer casting as long as uh, I have good action doing that. Um, it's generally going to be my first route that I'm going to choose for any given day. 
so far this year, I have not trolled at all. So I have no information on trolling the area right now. <laughs> well, I guess that's good news as far as you feeling better. It's bad news as far as me trying to get any trolling information out of you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I just haven't been doing it, like I say, and uh, I just haven't heard too much about success doing it, but I'm sure there's been some nice fish caught trolling it, certainly that time of year. Uh, I prefer to do it in the warm portion of the summer here when the fish are out deeper or with suspended fish, uh, suspended bait. Um, so certainly a viable tactic, um, just have not employed it much. Well, that's disappointing, I guess. I mean, like I said, it's good you're feeling good. I know, I know how you are. If you're if you can catch them casting, you're going to be casting. You get itchy and jumpy and bored trolling after five minutes. So <laughs> I know how that goes. I wouldn't goes. say five minutes, but if I go put a couple hours in and we're not getting ripped, uh, I'm certainly uh, edging towards those casting rods again. But uh, like I say, I just haven't haven't had uh, much need for it yet. Um, and uh, everybody's been into the casting, so we've just been sticking to that. All right, Steve. So you know, if you're fishing up in northern Wisconsin, you know there's tons of places to fish how do you make your lake choices from day to day because i know that's something that you know i even struggle with when i'm out by myself if i go up to to our camper near pelican lake there's 10 musky lakes within half an hour there and you're always in your head you're you're wrestling with what's going on you know with somebody that's not on the water all the time can you offer up any uh i guess suggestions on how to narrow down the you know the the vast um, amount of lakes that are up there Boy, you know, good question. Um, something that I do battle with, you know, daily. Uh, I fish probably about 20 different lakes throughout the course of any given season. Um, and it's weird. You know, we kind of talked about hot lakes, cold lakes. It does seem like every year you'll have a lake that seems to be going a little better than another. Or, you know, some years it'll be a few years in a row. But uh, in general, I hop around till I get on a good bite. And I'll kind of stick with that. Uh, lake choices really kind of depend on time of season. Uh, a lot of times who I have for the day, what their expect expectations for the day are. If I have people that are just looking to get on some action or, you know, looking to get their first fish, I'm certainly choosing different lakes than I, than I am if I'm looking for someone who's uh, trying to get the biggest fish of their life. So a lot of times that's a factor. Um, in general here in the early season, I'm focusing on a little bit smaller lakes. We have a lot of lakes in that thousand or less acre size. And uh, those lakes seem to get fired up a little bit earlier than the larger bodies of water do. Um, so in general, those first couple weeks to a month of the, of the season, I'm focusing on those. As the water temperature is warm, um, and I think now the last three years in a row, we've gotten into water temperatures close to that 80 mark. Um, those smaller lakes seem to kind of get stale. They slow down a little bit. And when that's happening, then I'm transitioning onto the larger lakes, the bigger bodies of water. Um, and I'm generally, you know, transitioning onto deeper bodies of water that uh, warm up much slower, um, have a much cooler, you know, volume of water than, than those smaller, shallower lakes do. And then a lot of times it comes down to uh, wind direction, weather direction, uh, storms, things like that. Uh, certainly factor into the lakes that I'm going to choose. If I have prevailing winds from a certain way and I know they're going to be strong, um, I may avoid a lake that I know is going to be difficult with boat control. Um, that I may choose a lake chain or a smaller body of water or a place where I know that I can get out of the wind a little bit. So that could be a factor too. Uh, water temperatures right now have been a factor in where I'm choosing to fish. Um, even though some of our large lakes, like the Chippewa Flowage, are too warm, uh, we do have lakes that have that deep, clear water, which are, are definitely in that safe-to-fish range. Um, so sometimes that's a factor in where I decide to go. By the early to late fall, 
honestly, almost all the lakes can be good. And that's when it's hardest to choose where to fish. Um, then it's kind of down to what my client's expectations are. Do we want to just get on a bunch of fish today or do we want to try and get a 50 plus incher? I have some lakes that have that combination, but in reality, a lot of times you have to choose different bodies of water to find those two different things. Um, so a lot of times that's a factor, but you know, in that September, October, early November range, almost every lake in the area can be a good option. Um, so that's the hardest time uh, for people to choose where they want to fish. And then there, I would say, let the weather dictate what you can do. Uh, if it's super windy day, choose a smaller lake or a lake where you're a little more protected, uh, on the calmer, more fishable days, choose those three bodies of water and go looking for a big one. So certainly all things to think about. It is daunting. I can't imagine just coming to an area and going, well, which lake do I even start on? Um, that's where hiring a guide can be a good idea, especially if you go to an area continuously or over and over. Um, then it's not a bad idea to hire a guide, fish a day or two with them, uh, see how they go about choosing the lakes that they're fishing explain what you're trying to do and a lot of times they'll get you on a shortened learning curve as far as choosing waters and, and when to when to be on lakes in certain times of the year too it's interesting steve you know i have tons of waypoints or tons of spots on a particular body of water and a lot of times you're like where do you start on that particular water and then you start mixing in mul multiple lakes and i mean it always gets to be a little bit challenging that's for sure yeah, and you know, I do think of you know tourists when they when they get to the area, and there's so much water, and just to figure out where on what lake, and uh, then what they're biting on, and what time of day are they biting, and you know all those factors that go into being successful at catching muskies. Um, it's a challenging process, so you know, kudos to those who have success, but uh, you know, it, it's definitely a challenging deal. Obviously, muskie fishing is probably better now than it's been in a long, long time, but there's also a lot more of us fishing for them, so that doesn't necessarily mean it's any easier than it was. Um, so you have that to factor in as well. So uh, challenging, challenging sport. And I guess that's why we all love it. Um, if it were that easy, we would uh, maybe not treasure it as much as we do. You know, Steve, let's talk a little bit about warm water in a sense. Like, I don't want to necessarily talk about tactics for warm water. I want to talk about, you know, whether you think that things are changing up there in the Northwoods. Is this, is is it typical for you guys to be seeing 80 degree water temperatures, you know, season after season like we have this year? It seems like it's a little bit later and this period right now is going to last for just a short period of time. It looks like, right. you know, we're recording this almost a week in advance from when it's going to come out. But, you know, over the weekend, it looks like we should see a weather shift at least on Sunday and then into next week where things should, you know, should normalize a, a bit. But is this out of the norm, seeing as though you've been up in the Northwoods for 20 years or, or you know, 10, 15 years ago? Were you still experiencing the same trend? Oh, I would say it's definitely out of the norm uh, the last three years anyway. Uh, last two especially were quite warm, extended periods where we basically I would either fish very early in the morning and or lay off and go smallmouth bass fishing. Uh, this year it hasn't been nearly as warm. In fact, we've only had a couple days here where it was even touchy which is a better, you know, this is a little bit more, more like normal, but, uh, I would say in the last few years, we certainly had warmer than normal temps, um, which has certainly kind of changed how I go about my process of fishing through the course of the year. And a lot, a lot of those smaller lakes have kind of been out of bounds for other portion of the season when it gets too warm. So I would say, yes, you are right. Uh, for some reason, we've, we certainly had warmer than normal temps and uh, this year, it's not going to be very long. Like I say, by the time the show is on, uh, we'll, we'll be good and safe. And uh, this, by far, has been a better year than the last couple uh, as far as the water temperature thing goes. But uh, uh, it's a weird trend, no doubt about it. 
I just find it interesting because of it seems like how cool the springs have been for the last I don't know eight years. It's really a weird. It's really a weird thing, you know. It's like when I was a kid, it seemed like you would get a normal spring, right? In March, the weather starts to warm up, but it continually just gradually gets warmer. And nowadays, it just seems like it gets stuck at a certain temperature, and it lasts for all of March and most of April before you start to see any reprieve. It's kind of weird. Yeah, this year for sure that was the case. You know, we we did have that. One thing, well, you know, it's a hard thing to pinpoint. Who knows? In five more years, it could be a whole different thing, too. But uh, um, I would say, like, right now, we have uh, our winter starting a little bit later, but lasting a little bit later. And then we have certainly had these a little bit warmer than normal summers. Well, the, the good news is, guys, it looks like there's going to be a cold front starting Sunday, Monday. And uh, next week, those temps are going to kind of come down. And it looks like after dark, we're really going to have some nice weather, like even in the fifties, the upper fifties, but that'll definitely uh, change some stuff really quick too. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I think that's going to be great to uh, have a little bit of a chill down. Normally when that happens midsummer, as you know, Brad, it can be a spectacular bite when those fish sense a little bit of a cooling as opposed to that warming trend. So uh, I am anticipating the next couple of weeks to be really solid, but it's been solid as, as it's been. Even with the warm water, the fish have been just flying around and moving very fast. So um, that tells you their metabolism is kicked up and they're eating. So I think uh, the next couple of weeks look real good. You know, speaking of the next couple of weeks, Steve, what's the uh, what's the available forecast as far as your, your availability if people are getting up to the Northwoods and they're looking to hire a guide? Uh, yeah, sure. August honestly has a fair amount of openings, um, which ironically was my best month last year. I'm not sure why, but uh, the fish were just super happy in August. And I'm starting to see that trend already here in late July as the fish are ramping up. Uh, but I have plenty of days open in August, uh, a handful of days open in September, and a handful of days open in October. Certainly worth giving me a shout or shooting me a text if you want to try to get out up here. Um, and like I say, if you come to the area a lot and want to learn something specific, or just basically how to go about the process here. Uh, but certainly a, a good tool for that as I've been doing it for so dang long. So certainly would worth, be worth giving a shout. i say August last year was an awesome month. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to this year because I think the cooling down is going to come a little bit earlier. So it should be a little bit better even than it was last year. So we'll see. They can give you a call as long as they don't want to learn the Chippewa fluid, right, Steve? Yeah, right. Um, I do go to the chip, but only when uh, the timing is right, which obviously right now it isn't. Um, but as this water cools, that place will get popping. I have heard of a few big ones in the area. I don't have anything over 50. Got some mid-40s and stuff, but uh, I did hear about 52 out there a bit ago. So, you know, you always got to shot that monster out there. And uh, obviously with so many lakes here, uh, there's been some nice big ones caught, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, you hear all the stories. There's no big fish in Wisconsin, and I've definitely seen a good number of big fish coming out of northern Wisconsin already this year. And, I mean, in theory, the best is just to, is, is still to come, right? No, absolutely. The best is still to come. It's just starting to get going. Uh, my favorite time of the year is here. And uh, from here on out, uh, basically muskies only. So uh, looking forward to that. And like you say, we're certainly seeing a trend where uh, – I would say there's an increase in 50 plus inch fish, which it's still, you know, a, a very difficult animal to find here, but uh, we're certainly seeing more of them as the years go by. Uh, catch and release, I'm sure, is a factor there. Uh, here we have a lot of 50 inch size, uh, minimum size limits on a lot of my lakes now, uh, which I think is awesome. Um, not that uh, musky guys are really keeping fish too often, but 
you know, this place used to have some harvest, so that harvest has kind of gone away, and it's probably been 10 years since a lot of that's happened, so as, as you go by in time, I think you're getting a higher population of those larger females, but it doesn't make them any easier to, to catch. They've all been around and been around the block and seen what goes on, so they're often challenging to to get those big girls, but there's certainly more of them available, I would say, than uh, even a decade ago. You know, the, the crazy thing is you said 10 years and that 10 years can make a huge difference on what those fish are going to look like. That's for sure. And I think that 10 year mark is kind of the, uh, the magic time frame for these fish to, to reach that full potential. So that's really super cool news for your whole area there. Like I say, things have gotten much better as far as how people handle fish. And, and that's not just here, it's everywhere. Uh, obviously, the amount of education out there and uh, information out there is, is tremendous. So, guys are getting better at that. So I rarely see the people flipping them in the boat like you did not too long ago and things like that. So, all in all, the trend is good. Certainly uh, a good thing to see and, uh, and certainly seeing a nice increase in, in quality on almost all the lakes here in the area. You know, Steve, we're going to, you know, we're kind of in that, well, not kind of, we're definitely straight into that late July. Things are going to definitely change here in the next month or two. What are you going to forecast maybe for fall? Obviously, Mother Nature is going to throw us lots of curveballs. It certainly did last fall. And, you know, how late can people get up and fish with you yet? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you just don't don't know what Mother Nature is going to throw. Last year, we had such a warm fall all the way through October. It it really made fishing uh, quite different than normal. Expecting a normal season here, uh, like I say, last year, August was really good. I love that when you get that first beginning cool down uh, from your summer peak heat. Uh, it really does seem to stimulate the fish, get them moving around. I think it brings some open water fish onto weeds and structure, and it's usually a really fun time. So that late August into early September is probably my favorite time of year, depending on Mother Nature and, and the cooling down process. Of course, here, uh, September, October are my prime months. Fish push shallow, they get really active. We begin running live bait along with our casting technique. So you kind of double up on your odds as far as putting fish in the boat. And uh, those months are always good fishing shallow. And that's when our bucktail bite and our topwater bite is usually the best. Um, and I like the relief from ripping big rubber on those deep weed edges. So I look forward to that time. And then as we get into that late fall, late October into November, um, that's our, you know, our late fall period and we're fishing suckers much deeper, uh, doing a little bit of casting as well as some vertical jigging, not for the, you know, the week at heart, it can be cold temperatures, below freezing stuff. Um, and I'll generally fish until the snow or ice begins. Um, I do love deer hunting. So by early November, I'm, I'm definitely spending some time in the sand, but you know, depending on how uh, the weather goes and how mother nature treats us, uh, into mid November is usually not a problem here. Some years it'll be iced up by early November. So last year it was way into December before it even started icing up. So um, that all depends on how it goes uh, that portion of the season. So that's what we're looking for. All right, Steve. I want to I want to thank you for coming out talking to us about muskies. If people are looking to get in touch with you and book a trip, come hang hang out, check out the Hayward area. How do they go about doing that? Pretty easy, Jeff. Our website is fishhunts.com, F-I-S-H-H-U-N-T-S. Um, you can also get me on Facebook at Steve Jensen with a G, G-E-N-S-O-N, or Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service there as well. And cell phone is 715-558-3709. Um, you can always call and text that. Um, I can answer any questions you may have, and I uh, would love to get you out on the water. 
and show you what I know about chasing muskies here in Hayward. Excellent. Well, Steve, thanks again for coming out, talking to us about muskie fishing. I hope you have a you know great remainder of your season. Certainly, I wouldn't mind getting up there to fish with you at some point. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but it'd be fun if it did because we always have a good time, whether we catch fish or we don't, which typically you and I, we always have pretty good luck. If we book for, you know, if I'm up there for a couple of days, we usually at least get some fish. I'm not saying it's always easy, but we usually end up getting the job done. And, uh, you know, like I said, I just want to thank you again for that. And we want to thank our listeners again for putting up with us for another episode. And we'll see everybody again next Wednesday. Wednesday.